G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi there, Kate. Hey, Dominic. How are you? I'm good. Every time we start this and I listen back, the hi, Kate, that I do is just so abnormally loud that it oh. just it screws up all the settings on my thing. I like that. I think that we could just be prepared for that each time and it just sets it off in a really cute little tone. I like it. I know. We all give each other that, like, one, two, three death stare. Who's going to be the first to say Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm excited about today's episode. I am too. This is one that I'm not particularly familiar with, but um, Mm -hmm. as I started getting into some research, I found it and thought, this is kind of ooky and spooky and this is a cool one to know. So I thought, let's just chuck it in. Let's do it. Let's share it. Yeah. So, well, the thing, let's talk about the the topic for for this week. Um, And by total chance... We are heading back to the same part of the world as my as my last episode, which was our first episode. Mm-hmm. Russia. Oh, Mother Russia! <laughs> they just do some kooky shit over there. I'm I'm okay with it. They I'm do. okay with it. I promise I will not keep going back. But this <laughs> just spoke to me. I'm going down the rabbit hole. Okay. I love it. Let's do it together. Let's hold hands and jump down that rabbit hole, Dal. Let's do it. All right, Alice. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, this week I really wanted to talk about this broader topic of how seemingly innocuous people or places or things can just be all of a sudden super, super scary, like dolls, for instance. Mm, Yeah. Or, you know... Just your own home. It's it should be safe. It should be fine. But all of a sudden, boom! It can be super super scary. Exactly. Like someone always had. You know, if they stayed at there, usually their grandmother or grandfather's house. There was always some like nineteen twenties like porcelain something that it during the day it was all cute and sweet, and then as soon as the lights went out and you had to sleep in the lounge room on the fold out, yeah, no. it just took on another life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, the, the, I guess the title of this episode is, uh, or the story is called Russian Mummified Dolls. Um, but, yeah, back to the topic. Like, another way to, of looking at it, it's, it's a place like a home where everything seems normal, but when you look closer, it's something way more sinister. So, yeah, I just, I thought this was a cool one. It's maybe a little less graphic as uh, my first episode. <laughs> that's okay though we can just go in you know in um in waves yeah from something really graphic and then yeah i'll talk about fictional things happening in space like it's just all it's all part of it i will do a little disclaimer because as we get through the story we are talking about someone an individual and uh-huh. you and i obviously we don't profess to be medical doctors or psychologists or like not yet. Mm-hmm. We're working on it. Mine's in the mail. <laughs> Same. Um, so our comments are just our layperson opinions. Mental health is obviously an extremely complex and sensitive topic that affects so many communities in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. We need to be super careful when commenting or judging people. In saying all that, mental health issues do not mean people have free passes to do horrible things. True. So this story is particularly disturbing. So just warning you. Perfect. No one's eating anyone, though. (laughs) 
Okay, not this time. Not yet, anyway. But it is around dinner time, though, so this this time. I have dinner. Yeah, I have dinner waiting for me, so it's going to be Amazing. my treat, though. <laughs> Imagine. I hope you'll have it. If you've got an appetite after this story, <laughs> um, yeah, that says something about us. But that's fine. We've already established that we're pretty cuckoo, so. <laughs> Please join us. Yeah, join us on this cuckoo journey. We're, we're all by ourselves. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. So let me introduce you to my good old pal and friend, Anatoly Moskvin. Oh, Moskvin, that old skellywag. Yep, had, had quite a few nights out with him. Mm. Now, he once lived in a place called Nazini, Novgorod, Novgorod. Mm-hmm. And it is the fifth largest city in Russia. Okay, so the first episode we di- I did, it was, you know, USSR. That's obviously a very different time, but it's the exact same place or relatively. So this is more modern Russia. Okay. Yeah. So Anatoly had this quirky habit. You know, he's a bit like us, old Anatoly. Yep. Uh, he, <laughs> he loves spending a lot of his time at cemeteries. Okay. Now, quick pop quiz. Do you say cemeteries or do you say cemeteries? Oh, that's a really good question. I would probably say cemetery. Yeah, I say cemetery, but it's like the whole Moscow thing that I said in the first episode. It's not Moscow. It's not a cow that's got a bit of green (laughs) on its back. It's anyway. That's okay. We're not, we're also not, um, what, what's the term for someone who studies language? Oh. (laughs) i don't even know that's how good we're going i'm gonna for the sake of this episode i'm gonna say cemeteries if you're listening please feel free to to complain to me oh please do write in complain i'm happy to hear it we do yeah and please um let us know any of the answers to the many many questions that we seem to ask but not know the (laughs) answers to that's part of our stories jump on jump on the socials let us know one day we should do our own encyclopedia set yeah you know anyway let's let that mull that one over and we'll get we digress yeah (laughs) all right so you know anatoly he had he had this bit of a quirk he had this habit he really loved hanging out in cemeteries and he said he began wandering through these cemeteries with friends when he was still a schoolboy. now in particular they visited this uh this one particular cemetery called Krasnaya Etna Cemetery, located in the Leninsky, Leninsky district of Nizhny Novgorod. Oh my God. Mm. Okay, that was enough. I love that you've done this to yourself, Dom. You have absolutely thrown yourself under a bus by choosing all of these places with all of these pronunciations. And I'm really here for it. I'm happy to watch you struggle through it. Struggle <laughs> bus all day long. And uh, I'm not ashamed. I'm a mumbler. I don't speak very yep. clearly. So I'm just going to embrace it. Do it. All right, so Anatoly, that was the first cemetery that he went to, um, and it would later come out that Moskvin attributed his interest in the dead to a childhood incident during which he witnessed a funeral procession procession for Mm -hmm. an 11-year-old girl. He alleged that while at the funeral, family and friends of the deceased forced him to kiss the dead girl's (gasps) face. Oh, yuck. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong pass. Yeah, not not yeah. going to happen. And I mean, I've had some pretty bad days <laughs> that it's felt like I was kissing the face of someone that was a corpse, but I would not attribute it to this poor guy. Oh, bless him. But it's good to understand, like, he himself has, you know, he has said 
this himself, where this this obsession and this interest really came from, come came from. And I think it is kind of interesting. And I'm looking forward as we roll through the story, why you think it links up and and okay. uh, and so on. It's very rare that we get this level of detail into someone or something so early on in the in the, in its infancy, it's, it's the beginning of it. Um, mm-hmm. And also hearing, like, I'm about to read, he's got some specific words. Like, he described this instant incident really quite graphically. So in his own words, he said, An adult pushed my face down to the waxy forehead of the girl in an embroidered cap, and there was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. Wow. He also wrote, I kissed her once, then again, and then again. And the girl's grieving mother then put a wedding ring on Anatoly's finger and a wedding ring on her dead daughter's finger. What? That's like next level arranged marriage. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, it's quite possible. I didn't do enough research. I'm sorry, but it's quite possible that that sort of thing may have been quite not out of the abnormal. Like it could have been quite a commonplace thing or... Well, clearly, no one said anything. Um, so, but he describes wow. it as my strange marriage with, and her name was Natasha Petrova, was useful. He described it as useful. Oh, okay. I'm starting to get a slight sense of this um, this person and maybe where it's heading. Mm. But okay, interesting. So that's just a bit of background setting. Really cool that he, he can attribute it back to such a specific moment and action. He could even remember how many times he kissed her and the wedding ring and, and all that jazz. Mm. All right, so after a little bit more about Anatoly, beyond just his, uh, you know, first kiss. It's strange. His first kiss and wedding. First marriage. For that matter. <laughs> mm, first marriage. <laughs> All right, so after graduating from the Philological Faculty of Moscow State, Moscow State University, <laughs> Mosfin became well-known in academic circles. His main areas of academic interest were Celtic history and folklore, as well as languages and linguistics. Mm. So, oh, we need him on this podcast. Yeah. That linguistics, that's what we need. He would do a much better job than I am <laughs> doing right now. Same. (laughs) So Mosman had a deep interest in cemeteries, burial, rituals, death, and the occult. And look, on their own, they're really fascinating things. I would probably say I have maybe not an equal obsession, but I have an interest Mm. in all of those those topics. But I think you can sort of see where he got that from, from such childhood trauma. Definitely. Uh, he kept a personal library of over 60,000 books and documents, as well as a large doll collection. Oh, see, that's, you've lost me. That's a red flag. Yeah. Okay. And fellow okay. academics, uh, they would describe Moskvin as both a genius and an eccentric. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Two of the, yeah, look, two of the, the big personality traits that again red flags so we're up to three red flags at the moment Mm, (laughs) imagine if you i mean kate i hope you don't mind me sharing you are a teacher yourself imagine if another member of your faculty you know offered you a drink back at their place a bit of celebration at the end of the year and you walk in and there's just i don't know 50 dolls wedged up (laughs) against the side of the room watching you while you have a martini and have sardines on toast yeah 
Oh, uh, there's there's a lot wrong with that. Mm. I mean, I can't claim to say there isn't someone in the staff room that, that doesn't have that <laughs> when it comes to mind. But, um, you know, no names. But, uh, yeah, that would be, I would be cutting that date pretty short, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> I would be out of there. I would laugh if you actually worked with someone named Anatoly, but. Uh, yes, I, I would laugh to, I don't, fortunately. Um, otherwise, I would be making sure that my desk was moved further away from theirs, but that's okay. I don't have to. Smart move. <laughs> but look, all right, we've got a bit of a picture of him. He's a bit of a genius and an eccentric and, you know, maybe isn't someone I would be best friends with, but everything's pretty above board so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. In 2005, so this is pretty recent, okay? In 2005, yeah, okay. uh, Oleg Ryabov, <laughs> a fellow academic and publisher, he commissioned Moskvin to summarize and list the dead in more than 700 cemeteries in 40 regions of the Nazini Novgorod Oblast. Okay. So it was part of his job to go spend yep. time in these cemeteries and catalogue and so on. And that's obviously that is important and interesting work to someone like yep. Anatoly. Now, Mosvin claimed that between 2005 and 2007, he had gone on foot to inspect 752 cemeteries across the region, walking up to 30 kilometres, which is almost 19 miles a day. Mm-hmm. And during, wow. and during these travels, he drank from puddles, spent nights in haystacks and at abandoned farms, or he even slept in the cemeteries themselves. Could he, with no Airbnbs, couldn't find like a little bed and breakfast to go to, look, felt the need to, like couldn't take a water bottle? Yeah, it's actually, adopted for puddles. that's a good point. I mean, look, he's committed to his work. He's got to get, sounds like he's it. got to get through a lot of, 752 cemeteries within two years. Wow. Like, I'm assuming there's more than just a couple of people in each. So it's yeah. very dedicated to his work. And obviously sounds like he's a bit of a loner as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine you could fit in lots of visits to restaurants and stuff if you're visiting 750 cemeteries no. going 30Ks a day. Yeah. But obviously he was quite comfortable in these spaces. He, he felt at home there. Um, so Moskvin was sometimes questioned by police on the suspicion of vandalism and theft, but he was never arrested or detained after stating his academic credentials and the purpose of him being there, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, fair, totally fair enough. Yeah. Um, now, as an adult, Moskvin led quite a secluded life. Shock horror. Shock. <laughs> I'm blown away by that fact. <laughs> he, it said, he, they say he never married or dated, apart from that first broad that... Well, he was technically married, I'd say. Yeah. Um, do you think it was the dolls? If <laughs> I can't be surprised he's going to bring too many people home. Mm. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, it yep. says that he never married or dated, preferring to live with his parents. Mm-hmm. And Mossman abstained from drinking alcohol and smoking and is purportedly a virgin. So. Okay. Okay. There you Just go. Just a bit of sort of personality background. Yeah, di- uh, different place guy. to... The rest of, well, definitely you and me. I'm pretty sure we've done every single one of those. But uh, <laughs> I did live with my parents at one point, yes. <laughs> there you go. Now, in 2016, it was reported that he planned to marry a 25-year-old native of his hometown who attended his trial. But, look, you know, that's all. It's That was just a little tack-on thing that I was able to dig up. But, yeah. Uh, it, it never happened and it's only oh. about in, intended intentions. So. There is always the next season of The Bachelor. 
True. That he could consider. <gasps> could you imagine? Oh, and that all just like flashed into set my mind. In cemeteries and stuff <gasps> like that. There you go. Oh, I think we've just discovered the new series. Do you know what? Probably, they've probably thought of something like that. It's such a terrible <laughs> probably show. probably have. I'm sorry. <laughs> All you Bachelor and Bachelorette lovers out there, I just can't bring myself to watch it. That's, yeah. I can't say we're going to be doing an episode on that. Mm. Actually, I know of a couple of stories, maybe not Bachelor, but there are some stories out there of, you know, people that have gone on to those like 70s and 80s, like meet your lover they're hiding behind the wall. You got to ask them questions. Uh-huh. Like there's a few, few of them, especially in America, and a, a couple of like serial killers have ended up being. They were on that show at one point or another, and it's not wow. until after the fact that um, I've forgotten. Oh, I can't believe I've forgotten a name, but I'll find yeah. it. Yeah, like perfect match or something like that. Mm. Is it those kinds yeah. of things? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got the format. Was set it in a cemetery. You know, they're standing behind the tomb. Who's behind the tomb? Oh, it's Anatoly with his dolls. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Take him. He seems nice. <laughs> Anatoly and his Barbies. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the what actually happened. All right. So yeah. Mostvin was arrested in November on November second, two thousand eleven, uh, by police investigating a spat of grave desecrations. Um, and some, you know, vandalism and stuff like that in cemeteries in and around the Nazini Novgorod area. Mm-hmm. Um, investigators from the Centre for Combating Extremism. My goodness. Oh. I love how dramatic they are with all of their organisations oh, and, and so on. It's fantastic. Yeah. So the Centre for Combating Extremism, uh, they discovered that 26 bodies initially reported as 29 uh, in mm-hmm. Moskvin's flat and garage. So they found bodies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this has taken a turn. Mm-hmm. He's upgraded from dollies to bodies. Uh, right. Yes. Now, video, there is video of this. So <gasps> at your own peril, go and watch mm. it. But uh, video released by police shows that the bodies, they were seated on shelves and sofas in small rooms that were full of books and papers and just general clutter just around his home. Oh, my God. And although only 26 bodies were discovered in his home, Moskvin was suspected of desecrating as many as 150 graves after police found numerous grave accoutrements, such as Mm -hmm. metal nameplates removed from headstones and, and so on. Okay. The first thing that pops into my head, just as a little sidebar to that, is the smell. Mm-hmm. How would his house smell? I just, I can't, well, I can't quite process. I'm so glad you asked. Oh, <laughs> do tell. What have I done? Just go. So police also discovered instructions for making the dolls. Oh, Okay. So he mm-hmm. had regular dolls, normal, you know, everyday whatever dolls that, that we all may have had. But there's also quite a collection of human dolls. Yeah, okay, human dolls. Yes. Good. So they, okay. they discovered these instructions for making these dolls. There was also maps of cemeteries in the region. And he also had a collection of photographs and videos depicting open graves and disinterred bodies. Though none of this evidence could be conclusively connected to any of the bodies found in the apartment. It's just, it's all that circumstantial evidence, right? Like, 
Yeah. Why would you have this? I think, to be honest, I think that they might have had him on a charge based on human bodies positioned around his bookshelves. So they might not have needed the, just the, the paperwork. <laughs> I feel like they kind of had him. Yeah. I mean, but it's also interesting, right? The, mm. Where's the... You, when you think about incriminating evidence and so on, I don't think from what I've read and seen that he necessarily thought what he was doing was breaking the law. And we'll get into mm. why he did what he did, but there was obviously no... Uh, intention of covering this sort of stuff up. This was just his life. This is how he he um, he lived. Existed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, according to the investigation, the bodies primarily came from cemeteries in that same region, though some may have come as far away as Moscow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mossman actively cooperated with the investigators, and he claimed he made the dolls over the course of ten years. His parents. Oh, okay. Right, he lived with his parents. Uh, they were away for large portions of the year, and even though when they did come home, uh, they were just unaware of these sorts of activities. He'd always been interested in dolls. He obviously worked in an area where being in a cemetery is not a you know out of the ordinary, mm. um, and he clearly was a great doll maker. So you know they were unaware that any of this was happening in their own home, in their own house. Were they, I'm going to assume that these, these dolls were sort of kept like in his quarters, you know, or is this like mum and dad coming home and having visitors and being like, oh, just move, bury the doll off the couch, sweetie, just, we'll just get you a cup of tea, just put him on the other chair. Look, like, <laughs> I don't know how far, you, if you looked at the videos, it was quite a setup at home. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like this is just in a garage or something like that. Like some mm. were placed in the garage, but he set them up as if they were just any sort of normal thing that you had in your home. So Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It must have been very convincing. Mm. We'll put I will I'll attempt to find some footage that's not too terrifying and pop a little on our on our socials for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh but my goodness. It's it's it more creepy awful. now that you know, but um all right, so obviously our Anatoly, this is just my opinion, maybe not the healthiest uh, man in the world. So, uh, yeah. and the investigators believe so too. So after a psychiatric evaluation, it was determined that Mosfin suffered from a form of paranoid schizophrenia. And if you know mm-hmm. anything about paranoid schizophrenia, they're often not violent people. It's, uh, it is, it's a state of fear that they that they live in it is it is horrendous and horrible and there's even some simulators online that you can that you can watch some footage and they kind of simulate what life is like for someone that suffers from paranoid schizophrenia and it is just you know heartbreaking to see the world through their eyes and there's a really big difference here between you know people who are mad and people who are bad and I think mm-hmm. we've got to be really, really careful about pigeonholing people doing certain things that to you and I don't make any sense whatsoever. They're not logical, they're grotesque, they're monstrous, but in reality they're not. And this was absolutely acceptable and normal behaviour for Anatoly. Yeah, yeah. So it's great that they were able to, you know, he at some point was able to get a diagnosis. It's obviously a little bit too late in life, but, um, you know, he was evaluated and that's what he was diagnosed with. Okay. 
So in a hearing on the 25th of May 2012, so the next year, the Leninsky District Court of Nazini Novgorod deemed Moskvin unfit to stand trial and they released him from, like they were releasing him from any sort of criminal liability. Now, he didn't kill anyone, remember? Like these are corpses. These are, yes, he's done some horrible things and dug, dug, think, dug people up, but he didn't hurt anyone. Yeah, and that's the that's where that <clears throat> that sort of moral compass is tested because yeah, naturally there would be crimes around, and I'm sure you, mm. you'll go into it a little bit, but naturally there's crimes around desecrating graves or moving bodies or or, or taking bodies. Yeah. Um, but you're you're right in that sense that he didn't kill anyone, so that's where you start to oh yeah, it mm. starts to become a bit unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was instead sentenced to a coercive medical, to coercive medical measures. Um, mm-hmm. I read that and wasn't sure how far down the rabbit hole I wanted to go. And it reminds me a little bit about our, your lovely Nellie Bly episode, Testisode, mm-hmm. which if you've not listened to, definitely go back and listen to, cause I think I got the flavoring of maybe not so great, like coercive medical measures. That's, yeah. it could potentially be a little bit something I don't want to read while I'm also reading this, but this is 2012. So who knows? It may not be as dramatic and. Yeah. And the wording around that too, you know, in the, in, in many countries, they changed it from, you know, torture to extreme interrogation techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, different name. Yeah. <laughs> So the prosecution, they were satisfied uh, with the decision and did not appeal the verdict either, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Moskvin, he was eventually removed to a psych- uh, moved to a psychiatric clinic with his stay to be reviewed regularly. And in February 2013, a hearing approved an extension of his psychiatric treatment, which we are all big supporters of treatment. If that's what you need, that's what you should get. Mm-hmm. Um, Moskvin's treatment was again extended uh, in April 2014 and yet again in July 2015. So okay. it's ongoing, which it's sad, but it's also fantastic that back, you know, back in the day it was often the system would just, i.e. not have enough money because of budget cuts or uh, sadly didn't have the knowledge and, these, and, and folks in this situation would just be released. Yeah. One of the things that strikes me is that you know, it's 2021. We're talking 2015. You know, this is this is this is our lifetime. And when we talk about a lot of these stories, I forget that you know when we do put the dates on it, this isn't all happening in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is this is recent, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it even slightly more unnerving. I find. And that's why there's things like uh, video footage and and so on. So it's a little bit better or more modern documentation mm-hmm. is out there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so in 2014, a spokesman stated, in their words, after three years of monitoring him in a psychiatric clinic, it is absolutely clear that Moskvin is not mentally fit for trial. He will therefore be kept for psychiatric treatment at the clinic. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. In September 2018, Moskvin's doctors stated that he was no longer dangerous and petitioned the Leninsky District Court of Nazini Novgorod to release him for outpatient care from home. Mm. However, in February 2019, so really not that long ago, 
Yeah. A subsequent uh, psychiatric evaluation found that it was too early to release Moskvin and the hospital withdrew their petition. Okay. So that's where he's at. That's how it was discovered. Um, you know, I feel for those, those the, the police force that found these bodies in this house. Um, yeah. And we're going to go into, I think I go into a little bit about, you know, what they witnessed when they first uh, saw it. But you have to think of their mental health as well. That would have been quite traumatic. Absolutely. I feel like you wouldn't really know what you were looking at. I don't, I don't think I would be able to determine the, the difference between, you know, I don't know, something fake and something real in that sort of instance. Mm. I feel like your brain just goes into a bit of a trying to sort out what it's seeing. That, uh, but I wouldn't know. And that's the, that's the, the, the link back to the topic. It's, this is a totally harmless, you know, innocent object, but all of a sudden it has this underneath story that you are unaware of and it just, mm. ooh, it, yeah, so. Yeah, gives so, you the heebie-jeebies. The question is, why did he do it? You know, we have an understanding about his trauma and the fact that he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, but from his, his perspective, why did he do it? And there was an interview with Moskvin, so... After his arrest, uh, Moskvin stated he felt great sympathy for the dead children and thought that he could, that they could be brought back to life by either science or black magic. Remember, he studied this this you know this sort of uh, subject matter. Mm-hmm. And as an as an expert on Celtic culture, Moskvin learned that the ancient druids slept on graves in order to communicate with the spirits of their dead. He also studied the culture of the peoples of Siberia, which was not very far from our last, well, my last story, Mm -hmm. in particular the ancient Yakuts, and discovered they had a similar practice for communicating with the dead. So, you know, he came at it from sort of like an academic perspective. Yeah, it sounds like it. And had, I don't know, genuine interest in what, what, what he was looking into. So Moskvin, he began searching for obituaries of recently deceased children. And when he found an obituary that spoke to him, he mm-hmm. would sleep on the child's grave in order, to, in order to determine if the spirit wished to be brought back to life. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Moskvin claimed he had been doing this for around 20 years and insisted that when he began, he never dug up a grave without the permission of the child within. Oh, goodness. As Uh he grew older, it became physically painful for him to sleep on the graves. So he began bringing the bodies home where it would be more comfortable to sleep near them. Okay. Mm -hmm. He hoped that the spirits would be more willing to speak in a safe and welcoming home and that they might be easier to hear when they were no longer underground. All right. Now, like, so just next next to his bed, yeah. like all of everything that you've just said, this is really like I'm I'm struggling here, Dom, because everything that you've just said, it seems like he's actually coming at it from a kind perspective, from a perspective of, you know, I am asking permission of these these spirits and of these subjects, and I am looking at it from this historical perspective and I want to try some of these things mm. and imagine if I could bring someone back to life, imagine what that would do for mm. their families. And so I'm really inherently, this is bad, but there's something about the fact that it's done in like the intention of it. It's really 
Yeah. And that's why messing I, with me. I wanted to make that point about paranoid schizophrenia and the fact that it's they operate to a different set of logic and morals and ethics. It's Mm-hmm. It's never going to make sense to you and I, but the way he spoke about it, and there are lots of stories of other people who are paranoid schizophrenics and have gone on to do quite horrendous things. I just listened to a story about the vampire from Sacramento, and mm-hmm. that's someone that murdered people, and it was they didn't think they were doing anything wrong; they were oblivious to the whole thing. But mm-hmm. it's it's coming from this place of logic, and you know. I don't empathize with the actions he took, but I, I can empathize with his reasoning by what he was doing was from a place of kindness yeah. in what he thought was being kind. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. after exhuming the corpses, Moskvin researched mummification theories and techniques in an attempt to preserve the bodies. He would dry the corpses using a combination of salt and baking soda and then cache the bodies in secure, dry places in and around cemeteries. Now, once the bodies dried, Moskvin carried them to his home where he used various methods to make dolls. In an, mm-hmm. in, this was in an attempt to give the children functional bodies to be used when he eventually discovered a way to bring them back to life, feeling that their physical remains were too decayed and ugly for them to feel comfortable or happy. And so he's trying to prepare them. And, and look, sometimes after a big weekend, <laughs> I wish someone would get f- formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, there is the times where I look and I'm, I'm, I'm at the mummified stage yeah. of um, dehydration. Absolutely. I could use an Anatoly for some, <laughs> some Monday mornings. Yeah. yeah, some Monday mornings we could all use an Anatoly. <laughs> now there's a T-shirt design, someone. Um, yeah. Okay, so unable to prevent the bodies from withering and, and shrinking as they dried, he would wrap the limbs in strips of cloth and stuff the body cavity with rags and padding to provide fullness, sometimes mm-hmm. even adding wax masks decorated with nail polish over the faces before dressing them in brightly coloured children's clothes and wigs. Okay. Mm-hmm. These details would obviously make the, the bodies appear to be large homemade dolls, which yeah. essentially is what prevented their discovery. Okay. You know, wax, clothing, wrapping, they're dried, things like smell and all that sort of stuff were pretty well taken care of because mm. of the techniques that he, that he employed. Yeah. Now, it was unclear if each doll contained a full set of human remains. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to be really careful here. When a body's being exhumed and moved, you can't just, you're not going to perform more opto- autopsies. You, you know, all of these bodies yeah. and the families that they're connected to have rights and um, yeah. and so on. So we've got to be remain respectful. Absolutely. Um, investigators later found music boxes or toys inside the bodies of the dead girls oh. so that they could produce sounds when Moskvin touched them. Okay. Th- yeah. There were also personal belongings and clothing inside some of the mummies. Mm-hmm. And one mummy yeah. had a piece of her own gravestone with her name scrawled on it inside of her body. Mm. Another one contained a hospital tag with the date and the cause of the girl's death. I feel like it's, they're extreme measures to beat 
the luggage prices of airplanes. <laughs> like if you, it brings a whole new meaning to carry on mm-hmm. um, in terms of those storage solutions. Uh, but, you know, he, if he's, he's trying to do this to, to make them happy, yeah, I suppose. I think it's it's okay. like uh, being, trying to be respectful of their past and their history and that they have rights and feelings and they might want to carry a bit of their history with them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, there was a third body that had a dried human heart. So I think that okay. as grotesque as all of this sounds, there's a level of care and respect, I guess, from his perspective, he thought, yeah. in, in honouring and preparing the bodies. Mm. Mm. All right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so heavy. It's really challenging sometimes because, as obviously, we've spoken a lot about the fact that this podcast, we use humor to really process horrific situations. But this story, I think, is one of the first ones where I'm, I'm really just struggling to get my head around it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm definitely not trying to make fun of anything, but I am speechless at times which as you know for me is completely unlike me um oh bless yeah it was a really interesting one which i thought was worth doing um Mm. anyway we're not too far off um moskvin was aware that he was committing a crime but he felt that the dead children were calling out to be rescued and he believed that rescuing the children was more important than obeying the law He was also motivated by his own desire to have children, specifically a daughter. Now, Mosfin often regretted that he never had children uh, and at one point attempted to adopt a young girl against the wishes of his parents. Probably a good idea. Um, I think so. But his application was declined due to his low income. Right. Now, he was an academic, but I just find it strange that he was tasked with this big job. He's obviously... genius he is very good at what he does passionate about what he does but anyway low income um okay now mosman denied any sexual attraction to the dolls and instead considered them to be his actual children he spoke to them and interacted with the corpses he sang songs to them he watched cartoons with them and even held a birth even held birthday parties and celebrated holidays for their benefit hmm okay I don't want to see Toy Story 5, the Moskvin title. Mm. <laughs> I really no, don't. I don't want to see that. That would not be fun. All right. So <laughs> to wrap it up, there's no, obviously, there's no denying that this whole story is disturbing. And, mm. and we have to remember, he didn't actually commit any murder. Yeah. It is clear that Moskvin was an unwell but highly intelligent man that, in my opinion, he tried extremely hard to make sense of this reality. He is educated. Mm. He's highly educated. And he is trying to make sense of what he was experiencing. And because it wasn't necessarily so obvious, even to his parents, um, that there was something else going on there, he was, it was almost like self-care, doing self um, self-medicating, self-managing yeah. of a situation that he was just unaware of. And it look, mm. it's not like paranoid schizophrenia wasn't something that the world was unaware of in this time, but yeah, it just flew under the radar. Now he went, mm. they do say he went to extreme lengths and I'm in no way accusing or justifying obviously what he did, but yeah. I, I think I just 
I struggle to paint him with a simple brushstroke of just being a murderer. And that's right. Yeah. I think what frightens me the most about this story, like I said, in the, in the topic is the idea of, it's almost like a house of terrors or it's this seemingly innocuous item that shouldn't be scary, but if you dig deep enough, you can find the truth and reality to it. And, um, yeah. It's almost like the Conjuring movie, you know, it's just a doll, but mm. whatever, there was there's this whole story behind it. Well, it ain't just a doll at Anatoly's, no. that's for sure. There's a little bit more to that story. <laughs> oh my. Good old buddy Anatoly, uh, we wish you well and care. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Don't you ever give me, or anyone for that matter, give me a doll. Dolls, Yeah. I'm fine with clowns, but don't give me yeah. a doll. I just... I think I'm always going to think back to it. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think this has ruined dolls for me. Um, I hope that our listeners, you know, if dolls are your thing, that's so fine, but hopefully they are, you know, polyester and, and uh, cotton and whatnot. I don't even know what you make a doll out of. Mm. I'm just so flabbergasted by this story, Dominic. I'm just, you've really, you've thrown me for six. Good. How's that? <laughs> that was great. I really enjoyed it as well. So usually for our listeners, if they don't know, um, occasionally I will have a look at the tales that Dominic's going to tell and I try to just sort of skim over them because I really enjoy this as a storytelling time for me. So I kind of get the same sort of reaction. So if you're feeling the same way that I'm feeling, yeah, know that that's, that's fine. You just feel your feelings. That's all you can do. Oh bless yeah. Anatoly. And at your own at your own risk, there are there is so much information out there about this story. There are lots mm-hmm. and lots of articles. There's lots of video footage footage, as I said. I got most of my information from an all things interesting article. I've said I love their articles. That I just they are interesting. Uh, it's an yeah. it's a great place to start from a researcher's perspective. Um, right. And it's the author of that particular article is William DeLong. So I just want to pay credit where it's yeah absolutely yeah we'll pop that link to that on our um on our instagram page as well so if you want to read a bit more about it or check it out then you can you can access that nice and easy on our shit and bricks instagram page (laughs) do you want to give us a bit of a teaser for next week kate or are you, are you too too thrown? <laughs> oh no, I'd love to. I think a change of subject is precisely what I need. Um, <laughs> I and it's kind of almost on a, a kind of similar vein in a, in some ways. I mean, all of our stories are kind of linked because ultimately we're talking about things that frighten us as human beings. Um, a lot of them like uh, usually around your brain and what that is capable of. Um, But next episode, I am going to be talking a little bit about ancient Egypt, uh, about the tombs, about the rituals, about a lot of the, you know, sort of beliefs and kooky things that happened back in ancient Egypt. Um, So that's going to be next week's episode. So I can't wait. I'm very excited to share my maybe sometimes uh, not as well researched. I need to up my game in the research and find some some good stuff there, Dom, because you've just smashed it out of the park today. I love how you have, whether you planned it or not, let's just take credit for it, but uh, my story is Russian mummified dolls and you're about to do a story <laughs> on Egypt. And I know. Mummies, hello. Yeah, hi mummies. Mm. Um, yeah, very good, very good themes. And then I assume the one that you do the week after, are you going to stick with Russia? Are you vibing Russia? No. 
Uh, ah. I've got a few in the works and I haven't okay. decided just yet. So Yeah, of course. I'm going oh, to pace myself. And uh, we, do, we want folks to come back again. But uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please do stay tuned and uh, uh, make sure you come back for Kate's, I'm sure, very interesting uh, exploration <laughs> into the world of Egypt. And we will all, see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dom. You're a legend. I cannot wait to chat to you next week. Yay! Yay! That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.